Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. And I'm very pleased to welcome uh, Congresswoman-elect Nicole Maliotakis from the 11th District of New York, including the all of Staten Island and parts of Brooklyn. A just won a significant victory uh, to take the lone Republican seat in the city of New York. Nicole, welcome to Spin Class. Great to be with you, Michael. Thanks for having me. So, Nicole, uh, you are the lone Republican in the New York City delegation. You defeated a one-termer, Max Rose, uh, who was thought to be an up-and-comer. He is now running for mayor of the city of New York. Maybe we'll talk about that maybe a little bit. Um, but talk to us a little bit about the victory that you had. I think we were a lot of prognosticators, although not this one. Uh, personally, I, I had a good feeling about your race. But a lot of people said, ah, you know, there's too much anti-Trump fervor in New York City for a Republican to win anywhere, even in Staten Island. So tell us how you did it. Well, my district is, I think, an anomaly compared to the rest of the city. It is a conservative district made up of a middle class, working class, a lot of civil servants like police officers and firefighters. Um, and also, it is one that did vote for President Trump in 2016. And as you saw in this year's election, voted for him again, pretty overwhelmingly. And so I'm very proud to represent Staten Island and Southern Brooklyn. Uh, I think the part of the victory was really uh, a result of people expressing their outrage with what is happening in New York City under one party democratic rule. Things have gone so far to the left under Bill de Blasio and people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are moving the party even further to the left. You're seeing radical changes, defund the police and the bail laws that created such a sharp increase in crime over the last year. Uh, people were speaking out in many ways against that. And I think it's critically important that New York City does have at least one Republican voice uh, from our city in Washington to ensure that both sides of, of an argument or a debate are being heard and that there are hundreds of thousands of people in this city who don't feel that uh, the, current, the current delegation of Democrats represent their views. And so I'm very proud to be there as a, a counter viewpoint, but also someone who's willing to work across the aisle uh, when we can find common ground and share goals. And I, I think, you know, being that we're from New York City, we do need to work together particularly on issues of funding, whether it's for education or transportation. Uh, and, and we will do that, uh, but I'll also be there to hold them accountable when they're not doing the right thing by my constituents. So let's just talk about, you mentioned the district. It's a more conservative district, certainly vis-a-vis -vis New York. It might not be more, conser more conservative or all that conservative. You put it in the South, but uh, you're, you have to balance a little bit uh, the needs of New York City and New York in general, as well as, uh, I guess, the you. Well, actually, let me ask you this question. The Democrats, registered Democrats, actually out are outnumber registered Republicans in your district. Uh, a lot of people think the other otherwise, but it's actually and I think in Staten Island in general, even though it's looked at as a Republican stronghold in New York City, there are more registered Democrats. So in an, in an era of polarization, how is it that you appeal to the other side? Uh, how is it? I know you've kind of alluded to this, but, you know, when everybody is kind of on their tents and on their teams and, you know, uh, and not willing to look uh, at the other side, how did you do it uh, against a guy who professed, meaning Max Rose, to also be a, a bridge builder to the other side? And why did you why did you succeed where he failed? 
Well, you know, this district is, although the registration is uh, roughly two to one, I mean, it is a district that is uh, very conservative leaning. So even the Democrats, you know, the uh, socialist views, they're not uh, progressive views, they are uh, rather conservative or moderate views. And, and what happens is, you know, particularly when you have a lot of seniors uh, that, you know, registered, you know, that when JFK was president and now, uh, now, you know, this is not the party of JFK anymore. I think that that is also a contributing factor. They're seeing that the Democratic Party has gone so far to the left has allowed a radical fringe to hijack the party. And that is what I always say, the Democrats should be joining people like me to stop the socialists. Um, you know, people who love this country, appreciate our freedoms, who uh, want to see the American dream be preserved for future generation, they should be joining uh, Democrats and Republicans uh, to stop the socialists. And it's really, I think this was a wake up call when you look at the seats that we want across the country uh, and, and what if a dozen seats were flipped uh, and the toss up all went Republican. Uh, that is incredible. And I think that was a message. It was a mandate and it was a mandate to the Democratic Party to say, you know, start standing up against the socialists uh, wing of, of your party. They're just giving too much to this radical fringe. And also when you look at the the numbers in, in, in the House, how we're so close now, we're probably going to come within, you know, five vote, five seats of the majority. Um, there's an opportunity there to shut out the socialist uh, squad uh, and work across party lines. I think that's what people generally want to see happen. You know, Staten Island, I could say, again, I, we work across party lines, Democrats and Republicans in the, in the, in the state delegation. We always work very closely together. Uh, and people, I think, appreciate that. But they also want Republicans are going to push back against the Democrats when they do the wrong thing. And I've successfully done that. I mean, I, I pushed back and stopped Mayor de Blasio when he attempted to bring heroin injection centers to the city. And I, I wrote to the U.S. attorney and got them involved. And they said they would take action if he proceeded and he backed off. Uh, I, I pushed back, um, you know, on this bail law. I was one of the leaders that helped get some crimes added back onto the list in which a judge can once again use discretion, manslaughter, felony uh, drug charges, uh, strangulation, criminally negligent homicide. I mean, th those it's, it's ridiculous that you had career criminals who would commit a crime like this and then be released back onto the streets. Uh, we were successful in getting some of those fixes. Uh, and, and look, there's more to be done, obviously. Uh, but but that was significant changes that we did. Uh, and that is why you need a two party system in our city to make sure people push back and people, people know that. And, and the other thing was, you know, Michael, I ran for mayor in 2017 and I, I did uh, build a base that was outside of my assembly district. Um, and I, and in that race, I got 67% of the vote in this congressional district. So I think having that you added name recognition. People knew who I w was. And when they saw those commercials that Nancy Pelosi was airing against me, they knew that that's not who I am. I'm the one who's been there for them, helping them rebuild after Hurricane Sandy. I'm the one that stands up against this mayor on property taxes. I'm the one uh, who, who has pushed back on some of these radical policies and won. Uh, and, and that is who, um, and I'm happy that they saw through all of that, you know, it was outspent two to one in this race and we still were successful. Right. So let's talk for a second. You mentioned the razor thin majority that the Democrats will have, and it's really razor thin also in the fact that the Biden administration or uh, has picked a, a, a several Congress uh, people to go into the administration. So that'll create some vacancies. Uh, you also have a Senate that's essentially up for grabs uh, in Georgia next week. So by this time, 
next week, uh, we will potentially know, uh, you know, who controls the Senate potentially, because we don't necessarily know anything on election night these days. Uh, we have a house that's kind of theatering there and, uh, we, you know, we don't know. I mean, there is some scuttlebutt as to who will actually be speaker, whether there will be Democrats who defect. Uh, so there's a lot going on in Washington for the last week in December. Uh, I know you've kind of you're, you're already there. Uh, but uh, in addition to obviously what's going on with the stimulus package, which is the old Congress, which is not you. Thankfully, you don't have to deal with that. and The override of the National Defense Authorization Act, which seems divisive uh, issue and the $2,000 versus $600 stimulus checks. There's a really there's a lot going on. I mean, you're coming into office at, I would say, historical times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually a very difficult time. And, um, you know, nothing is normal. And uh, we, we are working very hard. I, you know, first order of business has to be um, ensuring that we win this battle against the coronavirus, that we administer these vaccinations to all who want it uh, as soon as possible, uh, that we protect our frontline workers. Um, you know, we make sure that our police force and, and those who are on the front line receive the vaccination. Um, and also we need to reopen this economy. I've been very concerned, particularly here in New York City. Uh, I think that there's been very uh, much arbitrary restrictions put in place. Look what's happening to indoor dining, the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry decimated uh, by uh, restrictions put in place by our mayor and our governor. We know more about this virus than we did six months ago. Of course, we need to continue to take precaution. Public health must be paramount. Uh, we also want to make sure that we have a balanced approach here and that we're not destroying our economy, killing people's livelihoods and putting people out of work uh, unnecessarily. Uh, so that is one of the biggest things I think that we are going to be facing. How do, how do we help uh, these industries that have been hurt? How do we reopen this economy smoothly so we restore the American jobs lost? Uh, and then down the line, you know, a lot of people talking about transportation infrastructure as a possible way of, of stimulating the economy. Uh, I think that there's a lot of needs here in New York City uh, that are transportation related. Uh, so that's going to be a big topic uh, coming up. But yeah, you're absolutely right. We're facing a lot of things right now, um, both economically, from a healthcare perspective, um, you know, and we'll see how things fall. Uh, I think the Senate, you mentioned the Senate race, which is so critically important. We need to have a balance. I mean, when you hear Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez say she wants to win those two seats for the Democrats so that the, they don't have to negotiate anymore and they could just jam through their agenda, that's very dangerous. We don't want their agenda. And we need to hold those two seats in Georgia to ensure that we keep the majority so there is some type of balance uh, and not just you know one party rule. I and mean, let, let's not take what's happening here in New York and make it a, a national a trend. That that is exactly what will happen. You'll see all the bail reform and all these crazy policies become national policies. Well, that we didn't work for Democrats. Yeah, that didn't work for Democrats around the country. Uh, certainly, as you mentioned, Democrats lost twelve seats. It was supposed to be a blue wave, of course. I mean, you mentioned that before. So, yeah. No, it's it's a it's a critical critical election, and uh, we hope that uh, Georgia does the right thing and wants to have some type of balance in this country. Right. So let's talk for a second about one race that has not yet ended, which is our friend Claudia Tenney up in uh, in central New York, the New York twenty two race, uh, still uh, single or double digits, depending on whose count you have. Uh, absolutely outrageous in the state of New York. And we can say this is a 
you know, as a New Yorker, that they have been unable to count votes. Um, I mean, this is not even like, uh, uh, you know, anything we see around the country. This is just like simple counting and custody of ballots and when did they get counted how did they get counted and you know ballots show up weeks later um you know well whoops we put them in a drawer and we forgot about them i mean that's uh that seems to be the kind of things that are going on here we talked about this i've talked about this a little bit on this show but since we both know claudia um who's looking to reclaim her her house seat uh, any update for for us as to what's going on up there well as of yesterday she was up by 30 votes so we'll see it keeps changing on a day-by-day basis she was up by 12 then she was down uh you down know, 17 down 14 up, yeah, then, yeah it, it was... just keeps changing it's, look claudia claudia is a dear friend of mine we we got elected to the new york state assembly together 10 years ago um there's nothing more than i, I would like to see than claudia join me here in congress uh because she she's a great voice uh, she is somebody who, uh, you know, is a small business owner. She understands the struggles um, of small business owners. She was a single mother. Uh, her son's a military uh, in the military. Um, so she's got a lot of experience and um, and uh, a lot to contribute to, to the discussion here in Washington. I hope she uh, pulls this off. But it just goes to show you uh, how screwed up our election system is when we're here. Um, uh, members are going to get sworn in on Sunday. And this right. race is not yet decided. And that just shows you how screwed up the, the process was, particularly this year, with all the rules changes that we saw from the Democrats uh, in, these, in, these, in these states where they've opened up for absentee ballots and they, 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 they really changed the rules. Uh, and I think that that's what the president has been concerned about and has been talking about. Um, throughout the last uh, over the last month but yeah hopefully Claudia's race will uh, be decided uh, in the next week uh, and she'll be able to join us so we just with regard to Claudia we all had the good fortune of going of taking a trip to Israel together uh, summer two years ago and uh, you had just I think you you were just uh, running had run for mayor at the time uh, and you uh, your districts, I believe, based on my very back of the arm research, is the most Jewish district by percentage represented by a Republican in in, in the U.S. Um, so eleven percent or ten point eight percent Jewish, according to the last uh, census. So obviously, Israel and Jewish issues is obviously something of concern. You have some. Uh, you have a, a, a. I'm sure. The uh, I know the Jewish vote based on where I saw uh, different pockets of uh, of predominantly Jewish neighborhoods came out very strongly for you and for President Trump uh, and for the whole Republican ticket. So talk to the audience for a second about uh, your relationship with the Jewish community, uh, having run you know several times, but also uh, how now that you're in a different seat and foreign policy being a much more significant piece of that, uh, your 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 thoughts on Israel in the Middle East. Yes, we have a, a very robust Jewish population and, um, you know, whether it's uh, the Orthodox community or conservative community and you have um, uh, the Hasidic community, we also have Sephardic community. Um, so it's very, very well represented. And um, I have to say that I've, I've built a, a very nice relationship and rapport with the Jewish community. I'm very proud of that. Um, when I went to Israel with the National Council of Young Israels, um, we, you know, we really en enjoyed the visit. Uh, it was a very um, 
much a learning experience for me to be there firsthand. Uh, as you know, the three days we spent mostly in Jerusalem. I haven't even had the opportunity to go to Tel Aviv yet, but I hope that changes soon. Between the United States. whether it's from an educational standpoint or whether it comes from an economic tech uh, comes from there. Uh, and we, we have always other, other places it was very, very much enjoyable for me. Um, I have to say the most um, eye-opening the most emotional experience was our visit to Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Memorial um, site and museum. Um, that to me was a visit that every elected official, everybody who serves in Congress should go, particularly people in the socialist squad who want to compare uh, concentration camps to with crisis at the southern border. Um, just absolutely ridiculous. And, and it's a good place to go to get an education. <laughs> And um, so that, that to me was something that was most stood out in my, in my memory. Uh, I think it's something important that every American, if given the opportunity, should visit. Um, and so, you know, right now with, with all that's happening, uh, the historic understanding uh, the challenges and we also actually uh, I joined APAC for a call with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and so we hope to, to build that relationship. Great so uh, let's just talk for a second I guess about New York City politics and uh, politics in general. Uh, 2021 obviously being a big year uh, I mentioned that your uh, Former opponent now looks like he's running for mayor. Something like you, uh, you've done. Uh, you might share his opinion of Bill De Blasio being the worst mayor in the history of New York City. That might be the only thing uh, you know some of us agree with Max Rose on. But um, where, what kind of advice do you think uh, you want to give? You want to give to him um, when he, uh, as he embarks on this uh, quest for. Uh, for, for, for the mayoralty or, or, and how do you see uh, politics shaping up? Will, will, will New York city Democrats learn the lesson that you're trying to tell them is, you know, pivot towards the middle instead of to the far left as they seem to be going. Yeah. Look, uh, you know, my, my experience running for mayor was um, it, it was a great experience. And I have to say being able to travel to all parts of this city, uh, visiting different ethnicities, religious institutions, um, going to you know the various houses of worship, and uh, just just it was an amazing experience. And you really appreciate how truly special our city is, and how it is a melting pot, and really um, so diverse. I mean, you feel like you can travel throughout the entire world in just these five boroughs. So my first advice would be enjoy the experience. Really talk to people and listen to them and just engage and, 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 and feel you know, what it's like to be in their shoes and uh, where they've come from, why they're here. Why are they in New York? Why are they here in America pursuing? Because many of the people you will come across are immigrants like my parents uh, who came here for opportunities, uh, who came here to achieve the American dream and hear their struggles. Uh, I think that, um, you know, 
what our city really needs is a mayor who's going to use a little common sense, uh, be respectful of the taxpayers, you know, understand that, you know, people get up and go to work and work hard every day, pay their taxes to our government and expect basics in return. And that's what government should get back to the basics, you know, making sure that the, uh, the trains are moving, that the traffic is flowing, that the potholes are being filled, that the garbage is being picked up, that the snow is being removed, uh, you know, making sure that we're safe, not defunding the police, making sure that we actually give our police the resources because public safety must be paramount. Um, these are the things that people want in this city. And unfortunately, this mayor has spent record amount of money on all sorts of things that have nothing to do with the actual responsibilities of running a city day to day. And that, I think, has been really the downfall of, of our city. Uh, and we're seeing the neglect now take shape, the reduced quality of life. People are less safe. The potholes are, are out of control. Uh, the, the traffic is, is not flowing. And we haven't made the proper investments to keep up with population growth and economic growth. So um, that's, that, to me, I think, is, a, is one of the major things that I'm going to be looking for in the next candidate for mayor. And also somebody who's going to finally address the inequities of the property tax system. The fact that the poor communities, the middle class communities and the outer boroughs are subsidizing the property taxes of the wealthier communities in our city. When a mayor wants to talk about the tale of two cities, well, he should start with that. Um, he should start with why am I, as a, as a resident on Staten Island who owns a home valued at $600,000, paying $2,000 more than a mayor who lives in Park Slope, Brooklyn with a property value of 1.4 or $1.7 million. Um, that to me is so unfair and, and that we have to address that issue and the next mayor has to have the courage to do it, to actually say, we're gonna address this issue and also put a cap on the property taxes, which has always been my big thing, capping property taxes at 2% uh, because as you know, the mayor de Blasio has increased it well over 50% the property tax levy since he's been elected. So we need to address that as well. So you have uh, looked to do a counterweight to the squad. We talked to, you talked about AOC a couple of times. Uh, I think it's being called the force right now, which is like-minded, uh, mostly women uh, who have from different districts who have won as Republicans. And I think one thing that we've seen from this cycle is that Republican women have done uh, quite well around the country. I think credit to uh, your upstate colleague, Elise Stefanik, for recruiting uh, uh, women to run. I think uh, a brilliant idea, something that the Republican leadership had not embraced in the past and uh, I think was probably uh, uh, now sees the error of, of, of having not embraced that sooner. Uh, but talk for a second about what you're looking, what are the themes that you're looking to promote in as a as a freshman member of Congress as part of this group? Yeah, look, I, I think that um, part of the reason, if you talk to the other Republican freshman women, um, part of the reason they ran was to actually stop the squad because they felt there was a, a record number of Democratic women elected, but yet they didn't represent our values. And so um, they were very encouraged to run and bring a more moderate conservative view to Congress uh, from the female perspective. Um, really amazing women in this class. We have single mothers. We have uh, people who uh, have, sm have had small businesses. We have one uh, woman who was homeless. Uh, you know, it, it just an amazing group of people that have various experiences to bring to the table. Um, now this particular group 
that uh, we've sort of formed. It's a natural alliance that uh, is really made up of uh, individuals who either uh, our parents or uh, the member themselves have come to this country uh, to flee oppression, to flee you know, communism or socialism. And uh, we have uh, four, you know, what we call them the Freedom Four, and then it became a Freedom Force when a lot of other members uh, wanted to, to join in and, and fight for what we believe in, which is we want freedom. We want to ensure that we preserve our liberties. We want to make sure that we uh, keep a, a, free, a free market economy. We want to make sure that we preserve the American dream for future generations. It's opportunity that our parents came here to um, experience. And uh, that is really 100% in contrast to what the Socialist Squad is pushing. Uh, now, the initial group consists of Victoria Sparks, who's Ukrainian born and grew up under uh, Soviet Union rule. Um, she uh, came to this country 20 years ago and she represents Indiana now. Uh, we have Maria Elvira Salazar, who is Cuban, uh, the daughter of Cuban refugees. As you know, my mother is a Cuban refugee as well. And then you have Carlos Jimenez, who also represents Miami. And he came to this country as a six-year-old boy to escape the Castro regime. So we, we um, it's a natural alliance that is formed and we are going to be very vocal. We're going to, uh, again, promote the policies that I've mentioned, and we're gonna push back against uh, attempts to make our country a socialist one. Okay, so last uh, question for you, and I appreciate your time coming to us from D.C., uh, soon to be sworn in and going to be a, a huge week for you and for uh, uh, for you, all your colleagues going into the next Congress. Uh, you are our friend uh, who is now running for Staten Island Borough President, uh, Leticia Romaro, uh, sent out an email, and part of her platform is to bring the Trump Presidential Library to Staten Island. Uh, thought is an interesting idea. What are the chances in your mind of that happening? I think is a good chance. Uh, uh, well, we have to find the lo proper location, of course. Uh, this is an idea that Councilman uh, Joe Borelli initiated uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, look, um, if the rest of the city, or particularly his, his native Queens, doesn't want the library, we, we, will, we could definitely find a place on Staten Island. It would be very welcome, I think, by uh, the constituency that overwhelmingly voted for him. Um, and look, we, uh, President Trump has always had a good relationship with Staten Island, not just uh, electoral perspective, but, you know, when he was a young boy, he actually came to Staten Island and his, his dad owned apartment units uh, and he used to come and collect the rent. That was his job. And so he, he really, he always had an affinity for Staten Island. He has good memories of Staten Island. And the people of Staten Island really uh, love him back. And so I think that it, we would find certainly a fitting place for such a project. Okay. Well, Nicole Maliotakis, uh, newly uh, or Congresswoman elect from the 11th District of New York, encompassing uh, Brooklyn and Staten Island. Oh, you know, look, this might be the last opportunity you have to run in this district, right? Yeah. I mean, within by the time you run again, it's going to look, it, it's possible it's going to look a little differently. A little differently, but, you know, look, Staten Island is always going to need a representative, right? And so right. maybe uh, some parts of Brooklyn will uh, change. Um, I, I really love the district I have right now. I, it's it's an amazing district. And uh, I always tell people, uh, you want what, what's cool about this district is it's small uh, in, in terms of geography, but it has so many federal assets. We have, you know, national parks, we have an army base, the only army base, Fort Hamilton uh, in New York City, active military base. We have a Coast Guard uh, station. 
we have um, so many wonderful things to offer and, and you can eat anywhere in the world in just my district. We have amazing restaurants all across my district, um, which we want to help preserve and help them survive right now, which is why I'm taking up this battle with the governor to keep them open. Okay, well, good. Nicole Maliotakis, congratulations on a, a win. Congratulations on being sworn in coming up on Sunday, which is, I guess, the first workday of the uh, of the new year and uh, being seated in Congress uh, next week. Uh, it's going to be a momentous week politically and a momentous week for you. Congratulations to you and your family. I appreciate you joining us here on Spin Class here on the Malcolm Siegel Network. Thank you, Michael. Great to be with you. Hope to join you okay. again soon. Good, good luck and uh, stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs. Mm-hmm.